Welcome to the Bicurian Podcast, where we explore and embrace the seeming contradictions of life. What actually is Bicurian, you ask? Well, you may not necessarily have a mental concept of Bicurian, partially maybe because it's a made-up word. You embody it. What's happening right now in terms of the divisions between us is a focus on that which is different. And lack of understanding and empathy for people's beliefs is no longer an excuse. And it is in the differences we carry in ourselves that we find the Bicurian moment. When you really dig into something, you're going to see some depth to it. It's not just a race thing. It's not just a conservation thing. It's letting go of the or to make room for the and. We embrace all of you. Welcome to the Bicurian. Hi, welcome to the Bicurian podcast. I'm Aisla. And I am Eric. And we are, I don't know if I can say excited uh, to uh, bring this topic to the show. Very, I think, impassioned to bring I'm, this topic to the show. I am upset. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a good way to talk about it. So, and And we recorded this show. Um, right before the release date, when you're getting this on on Thursday, the uh, what is the date? The 18th. Uh, um, yes, it's the 18th, which right. we don't normally do. We normally give ourselves a, a couple weeks to or even get a couple of going. days. But something happened this past weekend that really got our attention and caused us to want to step up and bring some things to the attention. Of anyone who is listening, so <laughs> yeah, and and to to also maybe kind of go over a little bit. One of the things that we're both really committed to is trying to bring forward the stuff that's a little bit underneath the the headlines and the manipulative <laughs> rhetoric that that we end up dealing with. To kind of talk a little bit about some of the underlying pieces, and one of the things that. Eric brought up this morning. Well, it was we should tell really them what the topic is because oh, we no, haven't no. yet. I, no, I think they should guess. You don't want to make them guess? Okay, fine. <laughs> so uh, this past weekend, um, our president sent out some tweets that might have been, in my opinion, the most racist thing I've seen him say. I don't know. I, I didn't compare it. He said some pretty racist things over the years. Um, but this one definitely takes the cake, in my opinion. One, because of how strongly he worded it, um, you know, he, he basically said to, to four of our congresswomen and, and that are, are in, in office elected officials that don't happen to be his same party, that they can go back to the country they came from, which are rife with um, criminal activity and, and crime and all of that and, and have what they want. That That's what he said, right? Right. Like, okay. That's what he said. Yeah. Um, and I'm paraphrasing the tweet, obviously, but you know, we'll post a, a picture or a link or something. So, so that, that is my first point about it is that it was so like, it struck me as so strongly hateful that, um, I, I didn't even know how to react to it initially. And, and then two, the other problem that I have is that he doubled down on it. And what he said was equally insulting to not only the people he was talking about directly, but also so many other people. And so for that reason, I 
I, I put the brakes on and, and, and decided that we should do this right now because <laughs> I am feeling impassioned about it. Well, and what was the – when you say double down, can you say a little bit more about – So he doubled down. His tweet response wasn't necessarily to um, apologize, deny, defend, or actually really acknowledge the racist side of what he had said because – that was obviously enough of a problem because he was talking about for people of color. Um, his response to the initial backlash was, well, they're socialists and that's a problem. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but the doubling down on that was to basically justify that maybe they, they deserved it. But I had a larger issue with it, and that is that it struck me. It, he, he is basically saying, and this is a key point for the rest of the points that we're going to make in the show. In my opinion, he is basically saying that if you don't look like him and you don't think like him, you're not American and you should go home or leave or not be a part of this. Now, that is insulting to everyone who has any kind of skin tone different from his. And it's insulting to anybody who has any kind of political belief that's different from his. So that I found insulting in that second aspect. Um, I, it's just a problem. Yeah, it really is. And I, I found, so today was the day that the house voted to censure uh, Trump for these statements and yeah, I didn't have any real expectation that the majority of the Republican Congress people would in any way vote to censure Trump. I also didn't have any expectation that many of them would jump to defend his statements. That really surprised me. And, and maybe it shouldn't have. It did. One of the things that I noted and, and was talking to you about before the show is the, there's a fallacy that they're engaging in, uh, you know, several of the Republican Congress people who stood up to give some kind of like defense of the comments said, oh, well, these, you know, these congresswomen that he you know, attacked on Twitter, they, they've said horrible things about him. And which which is a fallacy, which right, is a fallacy. That's the, the fallacy of false equivalency. Right. Because that is when you say. And we're talking about five-year-old mentality here, right? Well, he said something mean, so I said something mean back. Right. Well, and it's it's something that, you know, especially as as a mom and honestly, someone who my early mothering years were in a conservative community. I know conservative moms <laughs> and they, you know, they may have some different like values in some ways. And, and yet I have known very few parents who would allow children to engage in that kind of, you know, false equivalency, like you said, the five-year-old mentality of saying, well, you, they did this, so I get to do this. It never works. It's always no, yes, if they said something that they shouldn't have said, we'll deal with that. And you're still going to have to be responsible for how you behave. Like there's a, there's a whole story, the whole thing around that. Right. And in schools, the same thing, most schools teach that. And so the, the one thing that that keeps bothering me. And I actually have had this conversation with some people on social media and um, offline is 
the things that people are overlooking or going along with in this whole scenario, um, in terms of the conversations like this back and forth craziness, is it they're they're allowing this false equivalency that they would never allow in their personal lives, in their families, in their schools, in their, you know, our legal code doesn't allow that. Like if I, if you hit me, my car, I'm not allowed to go hit your car in return. That's not considered okay. Right. Eye for an eye. <laughs> there's no, it's not yeah, actually There's no part, part of, of that law. that we do. And so it's just, to me, there's this other underpinning that I'm seeing of, you know, why are people excusing this? And, and there's this weird, like, I'll see things, you know, where people are like Democrats never, well, actually, I'm just going to say, and I'm going to say this to everybody, whenever you think, oh, my gosh, Democrats never protested immigration under Obama, Democrats never call. So Google it. You will be surprised by what you learn. And if you're on the other side, Republicans never do. Blah, Google it. <laughs> well, this goes back to our show. <laughs> it's on, almost never true. That, this goes back to our show on on the expectations that people have of what the other side is doing. Yeah. And they're wrong. They're just wrong. Right. <laughs> And and to me, it's it, I I completely agree with your point, and I think it is completely valid. And to me, that matters less for one simple reason, because that is literally the best excuse they could come up with. Because those people that did not vote to censure him are terrified of being on the wrong side of Trump right now. He owns the Republican Party, and can make or break any of their reelection campaigns. They know that if they stand against him, even a simple thing is voting to censure him because they disagree with what he said, he will ruin them. They'll yeah. be his next target on Twitter. And I'm not even saying vote against. I mean, of course, I'd love to see some moral fortitude in, you know, the supposedly moral majority party. That's its own situation. Just don't offend him and certainly don't say things that are actually not part of any aspect of how we do things in this culture. Well, and the defenses are flimsy at best, right? I mean, we can right. just be honest about that. Like, it's bad. It's bad. Um, and, and that sort of brings me to, you know, my key point here that ultimately the, the shoe that hasn't dropped here is how the American people are actually going to react to this, right? These are our representatives, We've elected them to go and do government stuff because we have jobs and things to do with our time. So we're not active in that, right? We are a representative republic. These people have to turn and face their constituents. Do you think they're going to care, though? I mean, that's—I'm getting a Certain little discouraged. Maybe. I'm certainly getting very discouraged by that. Yeah. I would hope that certain districts might, you know, um, our own in Colorado, Cory Gardner, you know, defended Trump uh, basically— you know, saying just some ridiculous stuff. And, and we'll post some links to, you know, some of these quotes. They're, they're hard for me to even say right now. <clears throat> but realistically, um, in my opinion, at least he has probably just sealed his fate as not getting reelected in 2020. I hope so. I would, lo I would love there to be some consequences for this lack of real conviction to, to be stand for what's right in our country. Yeah. And... I really did appreciate that the representatives that he attacked, they all spoke out and said something in, you know, in defense and in terms of saying this is inappropriate. And then they, they were like, OK, our, one of them was like, our job is not to talk to the president on Twitter. Our job is to fight for our districts and to work with other representatives to 
create a positive vision for moving our country forward. And I was like, yes, thank you, that. Absolutely. Like, and let's get out of political theater because I really feel like that's what we're doing, dealing with right now, that, that, that there's a large majority of people, and I'm not going to say that they're all conservative or Republican representatives. I think it's it's all over the place. But there's a large majority of political folks who are engaging less in political discourse and more in political theater. And I'd, I'd like us to stop that. Yeah. Again, I completely agree. And realistically, that is perfectly good for them to do. But we have to be concerned citizens and we have to start making a lot of racket. And I don't mean riot. <laughs> I don't mean, you know, burn it all down. I mean, we have to become activists. I'm personally committing to becoming a bit of an activist around this sort of thing because I am tired. And I'm just going to say it. I'm tired of being called a bad American because I have leftist views or because I'm not a traditionally masculine man or because I'm not a Christian. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being told I'm not a good American. And I'm tired of feeling like my option is to say, like they used to say back in the day, you know, when, when Reagan or, or, you know, other presidents have been elected, you know, I didn't leave the party, the party left me. I'm tired of saying I didn't leave the country, the country left me. It's my country too. Yeah. No, I really feel you on that, that the one of the things that I've been pretty passionate about for several years is reclaiming words like patriotism. I feel like we have allowed a small section of the country to define what it means to be a patriot. Yeah. And I'm not proud of my country, but I am an American and I will actively fight to make America a good country because it doesn't have to be a racist, um, fascist right-wing, controlling, uh, religious country. It could be a country where refugees come for safety and comfort. It could be a country where it's okay to be gay or a person of color. It could be a country where those things are good and not bad. And yes, the other side of my viewpoint does not agree with me on that. But realistically, they're not more right than I am. Yeah, and they're not more American. They're definitely not more American. So, thank that was thank you. That was really powerful. I, I'm I'm a little fired up right now. Just tell you. I just feel like we, as citizens of this country, which by the way, all of the people Trump told to go home, are also citizens of this country, mm -hmm. have every right to be here and don't deserve to have a president tell us we don't. Yeah, no, like you're right on. We don't have to. I mean, you know, this is such a core thing. I know that there's problems at the border and there's kids in basically concentration camps and, and that stuff fires me up, too. But this is so far beyond that. Those problems are fixable, but only when we decide that we are tired of being told that we are the problem, that we are wrong, that we're not American or that we don't represent America. I have elected officials I voted for in, in Congress right now that represent America that Trump doesn't like. Mm -hmm. They represent America. I represent America. You know, that's also a really legitimate point that, you know, when he when he speaks out against a representative, he's actually speaking out 
out against everybody they represent. That's exactly it. That's why I, I'm, I'm, I am livid about the fact that it was racist, but I've come to expect that sort of thing. We get it, Trump. You don't like brown people. I understand that. This was a blanket insulting to everyone of any color or nationality who has any belief that's different from his, because he has determined not only this isn't he isn't representing all of the views of the Republican Party. Right. But we've, we've been led to believe that again, that that idea that we have a different view of what the other side looks like. Trump does not represent what they all look like. So he even got some of his own party in this. And we know from talking to some of our listeners, they don't agree with Trump on everything or even most things, right? And he just told them and us and everyone, regardless of race, color, or creed, you don't belong in America if you disagree with him. Yeah. That is so, I mean, it, it is larger than racism to me. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly broad sweeping condemnation of a lot of what makes America a strong and amazing country, which is the diversity of our you know, different ge geographies and immigrant backgrounds and ethnic histories. To pick one of those things that you just mentioned to defend would, wouldn't do justice to the fact that everyone just got basically told that we're un-American and that our views are wrong. Yeah. To say that, you know, these representatives from the various places that they've come from, you know, Hispanic backgrounds, um, Muslim backgrounds, all of that, to, to say that any one of them is more important than all of them and all of us yeah. takes away from how bad this really is. I will stand up for any minority or any group that is being persecuted. But right now it's like half of America and you can't tell them apart by skin color or sexual preference or even what sex they are, men and women. So we have to, this is, you know, we've lived in this tribal mentality now, you know, gay people need to stick together and take care of each other. Black people need to stick together and take care of each other. They have allies. I consider myself to, to do my best to be an ally to everyone. And right now we all just need to be allies to each other and come together on this stuff because we can't keep letting this happen. Yeah. And, and our tribes matter. And I'm not taking away from anybody's personal experience of what their tribe has experienced negatively. Well, it reminds me of the adage, right? Divide and conquer. We we have become so, so divided, so, you know, siloed and or isolated that we aren't working together. Yeah. And we aren't, and, and, and we are, and that is something that I have seen repeatedly in, de in dealing with political challenges between the left and the right is that the right is a lot better at falling in line. And you're seeing that right now, like so many of the Republican leadership has said a time and time again, certainly before Trump was elected, that they didn't see him as a legitimately good leader or that, you know, Lindsey Graham, for goodness sakes, in like 2015 was like, Trump's a racist. And now he's like, oh, no, he's doesn't have a racist bone in his body. Like they have like quotes, you know? Yeah. 
they fall in line and, well, we, don't, and they, we don't. And they all said, well, yeah, no, it's because we hate these socialists. Why does anyone have to hate anyone? And yeah. maybe not everybody agrees with them. And obviously, you know, I, I read an article and, and you know, I mean, one of many today, and it just had a line in it. It wasn't significant in any other way other than the fact that it brought up a key point here. Trump is exciting a very small group of people. One might even call them a minority of white um, people from various different backgrounds that have resentment about immigration and about socialist views and about all of that stuff. And he's inciting them. And it got him elected. And it's keeping him in office. And right. it will probably get him elected again. That's the thing that's really horrifying to and me. It, and, and, and it, but it's resonated. And we combined based on our various ethnic backgrounds um all of these tribes that we subscribe to could easily take down that minority if we actually banded together yeah i think you're right on and and um one of the i've referred to uh kirsten cinema's book unite and conquer <laughs> which and she talks about that. She said, you know, we have to learn how to to work from common ground. We have to find the places where we agree with people. And she had this radical notion of we have to find the places that we agree with people who are in a different political ideology. And that doesn't mean that you're going to I know there's some things she's voted on. You're like, eh, I don't like this. It's not mean you're always going to agree with someone as a representative. However, if folks could come from that perspective of let's figure out what we agree on and start from there, we might see some things change. And that also within our small, uh, different identity groups. Well, there used to be a time, and, th and this is the concerning thing, where there was, you know, Republicans or Democrats that were elected, and I liked some of what they did, and I didn't like some of what they did. And in the end, it sort of evened itself out. A, all but four Republicans re refused to vote to censure yeah, no, it's intense. So that tells me that fundamentally, whatever their beliefs are, it's hard for me to judge that because they're more afraid of crossing Trump than they are of standing their ground of their beliefs. So it doesn't matter what their beliefs are. They've just signed on and said, whatever Trump wants, we're behind it. Yeah. Well, and that was uh, Senator Flake, uh, a former Senator Flake, uh, who ended up leaving and you know he left uh partially because of his feud with trump and he spoke out and he said you know there are times when the president's comments are so vile and offensive it is incumbent on republicans to respond and condemn this is one of those times and one of the things that i have really liked about him is that when he was in office and had something to lose around that he did also speak up and he didn't get a lot of support from the liberals because he didn't go far enough for them. Right. And he didn't get a lot of support from the Republicans because he broke rank. And so it was a very isolating situation. And I do feel like that's another thing that we need to acknowledge is that. And we're part of the problem. That on we're our part end of the problem. <laughs> of isolating people. And let me be the first to say, I respect Senator Flake. I may not agree with everything he believes and everything he would vote for if he was still in Congress. Yeah. But I respect him. And I need I, I need the barest minimum right now. Do I respect the people in office? And that applies specifically to Republicans. Because obviously I probably would have voted for any of the Democrats that are in there. But realistically, 
which Republicans can I or would I respect? Yeah. Whether I re- agree with them or not, we need to get back to respect. Yeah, I agree with you uh, on that. And I appreciate you uh, bringing up this topic and sharing your passion. Yeah. Um, short show, you know, today. And, and I would just say we're going to be keeping an eye on how this goes. But, you know, now's the time to make some noise. And if you're going to take to social media or take to conversations, don't be part of this kind of backlash hate that's liable to happen right now. Figure out who you would respect and let's start banding together and let's get some respectable politicians in there. That's our job now as citizens of this country. And let's make it so that maybe, just maybe eventually we could say we're proud to be American again. Yeah. Well, hello. You're going to start, right? Or am I going to start with the first? You should go first. I, I did first. a lot of talking in the show. Yeah, but you were really, really well spoken. So. I still am, but I'm, I'm calming down now. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. I'm so excited to pull pull bits, uh, snippets from that one. Um, so I was, I've been thinking about this interesting challenge with public benefits. So the there was an article I read about self-sustaining um, income in Colorado. They said, you know, in order to sustain yourself, you need to make like $35 an hour, which most people don't, but as a family, I guess. And I shared it. And then a friend of mine came back with that uh, sort of old chestnut um, that lots of people don't work so they can just get benefits. And one of my rules for myself is that I'm not just going to reject things that people say. Don't don't react. Right. But, you know, I've heard this before and I've not ever really seen any evidence of it. And so I and this is actually a friend of mine who tends to be somebody who looks into things. So I was like, well, can, can you back that up? Do you have an article or anything that will sort of support that? And he shared something that it, it, it definitely gave more information and didn't support that. Uh, and it and one of the things that ultimately we got to was understanding that for a lot of folks that are on benefits, what happens is they get to a certain point where they're actually starting to do well. They get a promotion or the possibility of a new job or even the possibility of a, a, a job. So there's that one place, but usually it's a new job or a promotion. And they realize that if they take it, they'll lose their childcare benefit and they will end up being in a significantly worse off place. And so they don't, they don't go forward and they call that the benefits cliff. Yeah. And there is a lot of different programs that are, you know, looking at ways to address it. However, to me, the bicurian aspect of it is that ultimately, if we want to put people into these, the sort of um, movement into real self-sufficiency, we have to kind of increase benefits. Yeah. We have to make it so that that doesn't happen, that when they, when they are doing better, that things taper off in a certain way, because who would do that? Who would say, I'm going to take a promotion or raise that's going to end up costing me $4,000 a year? Like if I'm already just at subsistence living, 
like my car can't break down. Right. <laughs> and what that tells me is that fundamentally, like we have these programs and stuff, but they might not be doing enough. And it's not even necessarily a matter of more money. Right. I get that that's, you know, can be like the socialist answer to things. And, and I'm not always in favor of that. Like we don't need to just pour money into that system to fix it. But we could look at how to make that so that people could actually rise above that threshold but not be financially destroyed. Child right. care is expensive. It's they obviously expensive. know that because they're subsidizing it at a certain level. So make it more of a sliding scale. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert on this, but I'm certain that, you know, a little bit of finagling might be able to make that so that the hit that you would take for increasing your, you know, income over $30,000 or whatever, because let's face it, that's usually those cliffs are very low right. income level, right? So you cross over that and maybe the subsidy doesn't just go away, but it becomes less. Right. Or it tapers or the pro I mean, there's a lot of solutions. I agree that it's not, I'm not saying throw money at things. However, really and truly say, what does it take to actually get somebody back on their feet? Because yeah. I think everybody has that goal. And and this reflex of, oh, people just don't want to work. It's not actually true, but it's very discouraging, right? Like if I work really hard and you get a promotion and I find out that that's going to actually put me in debt, that's demoralizing. Well, and you brought something up in the conversation um, that I found interesting because when you finally dug in to the thing that uh, the person we were talking about had had referenced – we found out that it affected 266 people. Yeah, of 5.7 million in this particular state. like In the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, and it was... So ultimately, I don't think that that, even if they were abusing the system, 266 people doing it, it's probably not what I would call a massive problem with people taking advantage of the system. Right, and, so, and that's the other thing is that like a lot of the analyses that are done on the possibility of benefits... And their um, their largesse, like how how help you know how much um, how large of a living you can have. One, it usually is scope very small. Like there's a very small percentage of people that could qualify for something like that. And two, um, it also assumes that people actually apply for and receive everything that they possibly can, and which, that also rarely happens. Which at that point. They have to do so much research to be able to do that. They probably earned it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's fair, right? None of this stuff is easy to get. No, it's really not. And that is a reality. If, you know, I'm, I'm some of our listeners may have had to do some of that sort of thing. Um, but I can tell you that there's no website you go to, click a button, put your name in, and suddenly checks start showing up. It's not nearly that easy. Nice. So. Yeah. And, and so just for me, like, really recognizing that, you know, in the ultimate – welfare queen story that occurred ronald reagan he you know yeah. he made up that he made it up and people still think it's true and it it's based on people's fear of being taken advantage of right rather than any kind of really like looking into things and so that that was part of it for me was i'm not going to dismiss my my friend or anyone really who comes to me with a theory however i'm not looking i'm not looking for anecdotes because i'm not going to say my anecdotes count either i'm looking for where did this come from Actually, where did this come from? Right, and and how did it come to pass? That that makes total sense. So, there's that's mine for for this week. Mine is something else that happened this week. If anyone noticed, um, based on probably the fifty emails that they got and um, the tape on the boxes and the TV commercials and everything, it was Prime Day 
this mm-hmm. week. Prime Day is, I admit, a bane of mine because I am kind of a sucker for a sale. And I did spend a little bit of money. But the thing that was most interesting that I found about it was um, how the workers at Amazon stepped up and made a big fuss about their working conditions. And I think that's wonderful. I mean, you know, unfortunately, the news cycle was dominated by Trump this week, but it it did make enough of, of news that I heard about it several times. And I think it's great. I think the one thing we can do, I mean, we could stop shopping there or we could make it known again with our voices so that we support these workers getting more fair pay and more fair treatment at their jobs. Um, They generally aren't mistreated as far as pay goes, but they are very badly mistreated uh, as far as their output and expectations go. I mean, they have to be so efficient and, and they will be fired for their lack of efficiency. It's, it's not a great situation. So, you know, I would say that rather than, you know, condemn anyone who spent money at Amazon, I did. Um, I'm going to write a letter to Amazon and say, hey, I really appreciate what you do. And you know what? I'll pay three cents more for the things I got if you raise the prices a little bit and created a better work environment. You know, I'll pay a dollar more for the things I got realistically i really believe in 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 you know the ability for these companies to operate and they can do it with a little less profit or maybe they charge a little bit more money and make a place that you know could be actually turned into one of the best places to work because it really is filling in a gap for that labor force and you know i think they deserve some fairness around it yeah i agree So that's our show. Thanks for listening. Join our mailing list at bit.ly backslash by cure and get episodes and blogs conveniently emailed directly to you. Learn more about us at bycurian.com backslash podcast. And if you like what we're doing, please rate us on your favorite listening platform of choice. Thank you. 